It's episode 100. How exciting is this? Man, it's been a journey over the last couple of years to get here, but I am so thrilled that we made it. And along the way, I've gotten the chance to interview so many incredible people, people with a true interest in whole health. And I've been honored to share that with you all. If you have not listened to 99 episodes, I got 99 episodes and a problem ain't one. Um, If you haven't listened to all of them, would you go back into the archives and do that? As we roll around the corner into 100, we are keeping it 100 with this episode. And I got to interview my good friend, Chef Andre Rush. He's a White House chef, He's got 24-inch biceps. He is an ambassador for suicide prevention, especially when it comes to the military. He does 2,222 push-ups a day as an advocate, and the guy can bench press 700 pounds. Come on. He is the picture of health and wellness, and he is also a really, really soulful individual that had to work very hard to get to where he is. He's got a Bronze Star, Legion of Merit, Goodwill Global Ambassador. I mean, the list goes on and on. And the thing that impressed me the most about meeting Chef Rush when I first met him at the Fit Expo, where he was um, presenting and where I was emceeing the stage and we became fast friends, the thing that has always impressed me about him is his steadfast desire to help others. He has a new book out. We're going to hear about that. And we're just going to talk and dish about what it has taken to get to this point and what it means to be resilient. Let's listen. Hi, I'm Maria, otherwise known as the Fit Foodie. I'm a chef, holistic nutritionist, author, inventor, and mom. And I want to welcome you to my podcast, It's called Recipes for Your Best Life. And with every episode, I'm peeling back the onion on fitness, nutrition, health, wellness, and family. The truth is you're the chef of your life. And for every important pillar, there's a great recipe worth sharing. So every week we'll explore them together. Think of it as food for thought that you can really sink your teeth into. So join me and let's squeeze the joy out of this life because you only get one. Can I get a fork, yeah? Chef, it's great to have you on. Great to be here. I'm so happy that you're my episode 100 because you always keep it 100. <laughs> no other way to be. It's <laughs> <laughs> you know, I met you at the Fit Expo, and, uh, you know, I think there's something about your presence that definitely, you know, aside from your 24 inch biceps, that commands attention, but kind of can you share a little bit about your path to becoming a chef like is this something that you always wanted to do as a kid um actually no i mean i i had no idea um i didn't know what chefing culinary and all those things i grew up in a small town in mississippi very poor and farmer my dad my mother you know it was uh, eight of us all together so uh he my dad taught me to work at a very young age probably like as soon as i could walk Mm -hmm. mother taught me the other aspects of life of family community love and all those different things um and um 
I was kind of resistant, but I love the way it was in Mississippi, you know, the hospitality state when I used to go cooking with my mom. Well, my mom used to cook. I used to sneak and cook with her. My dad never knew. Back in those days, the men worked, the ladies cooked. It was uh, that stereotypical type of Southern, you know, mentality. You know, my brothers, which was older, they did it a lot, but it was on a different scale. And my dad kind of had me like in this tough, you know, tough type of interior, you know, not in a way where it was um, stigmatized, but in a way where it was like, I need you to be the man that you need to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, from my mother and from my dad, who didn't like me to cook, and my mom, who just cooked from the heart, I, I fell in love with cooking. It became my my lifeline, but my bloodline and eventually saved my life. And mm-hmm. I helped uh, using cooking to save so many more. Mm, that's so powerful. I think food is such an incredible language, you know, uh, of love and, and compassion and nurturing. And, you know, at the same time, physically, you are a commanding presence. You know, you are one of the fittest people I've ever met. Did you ever think about becoming a professional athlete? Uh, I am a professional athlete. I'm a chef. <laughs> <laughs> right? No um, kidding. All and all that mixing, all, all that, that mixing. Like, how you think I need 24s? That's <laughs> no, I um I actually had a football scholarship. I had a track scholarship um and um an art scholarship when I was younger. But back in those times, my like I said, my my dad kind of had that part where the boys go to work, the girls go to school. And and I it was embedded in me thinking like, I need to be this, I need to do this, I need to work hard, work hard, work hard. And I passed those opportunities up and I joined the military. Uh, later on in the military, I mean, you know, of course I got my degrees, I got all those different things and accolades. And uh, honestly, they stay in a box or in a bag or whatever, even my trophies for the military. I've competed all over the world on, on an Olympic level. And I have hundreds and hundreds of medals, uh, ribbons and all those things. And I don't display them. I don't hang them out. They're tucked away. And it was just being there, whether I won or lost or I was just there in a battle. And in the beginning, I, I did lose a lot because I didn't know anything. I didn't know what culinary meant. I didn't know all these different things. And then when I did try to find out and buying books because we didn't have the internet and all this Google shit that we have, I'm sorry. <laughs> we didn't have all that stuff. So yeah. you had to learn and you had to fail and you had to fail and you had to fail, but that was part of the process. We had to go check books out of the library, right? Exactly. <laughs> That's where I read everything that I could get my hands on, including Julia Child's Mastering the Art of French Cooking. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's old school there. <laughs> yeah, totally. So so you really dove into the culinary world head first and you landed in the military. What did the military teach you about cooking and just about I think your approach to life, which is really, I mean, you you live it, you breathe it um in everything that you do, that strength and presence. Uh 
What the military taught me about cooking back then it didn't teach me anything <laughs> it was a different type of military it was mass cooking it wasn't what i thought it would be you know that hospitality was going this is a different type of mindset now and as different type of mindsets goes when, when environmental you have to be like a chameleon you have to blend in you have to match with your environment you have to change the narrative you have to adapt so the military taught me that leadership part of that and i along with that part adapted with them but at the same time i was changing in their narrative with my cooking, with my styles, how I taught, how I led, how I did things. And from that, a whole different schematic was born, you know, so I was very appreciative of that, you know, and it gave me so many different opportunities as I grew in the military, the military grew also. Hmm. And I had opportunities to go work for this person and people see you and you do these things. I had no intentions of, of getting attention. I just had attention to detail and just do what I had to do. And I did my best at it. I'm sure you had to just work with the resources that you had, no lobster tail or filet mignon. <laughs> no, none of that. <laughs> what was your favorite thing to make? When? Where? In the military? Yeah. Oh my God. That's a that's a loaded question. <laughs> you know, because the military favorite thing to make, you know, I mean, you got to fuel those troops up. Yeah, you got to. I mean, but like you say, you had to use what you have. Yeah. We have lobster tails and sometimes. So we did do specialty days, you know, uh, uh, like, a, for instance, like the Taco Tuesday, make it special and put different things in it. You know, a soul food day or a steak day with little fake steaks, <laughs> you know, that you had to marinate all night to kind of tenderize and put yeah. them up. But it was all about the care and attention that you put into it. And food is morale, you know? I mean, you know how they say the military uh, leads off his stomach? It's a true statement. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's morale. It's fuel. I mean, you know, I what, what uh, branch of the military were you in? Army. Army. Yeah. I mean, I've had friends in the Army that were, you know, special forces, and they'd be out in the field for days and days, you know, um, sometimes weeks. So... I mean, being able to fuel their bodies and do it in a way just with the resources that you had, I'm sure you had to be really creative. What, how did that then lead you to the White House? Because, I mean, that's, that's quite a big step, I'm sure, in a way, and, uh, and not something that many people can put on their resume. No, it's true. Um, you know, um, I'll be honest with you. It's not, like I said, not something you put on your resume. It's not something you can go and find in a paper. And like in everything in life and business, relationships and family, it's all about who you know, a little bit. Uh, you know, probably about that's gonna be 25% of it. And then that other 75% is just gonna be that hard work. In my situation, the person I knew didn't want me there at all. Hmm didn't want me there at all. He didn't want me to work for him. He didn't want me to come to the, he didn't want me to be at the White House. He didn't want me to do anything. And he was an amazing chef. I was a young kid. I had a different mindset. My mindset was to work, just to work. Sometimes in the military, you go to different, different things. People want to feel special. I never wanted to feel special. I just wanted to do my job and I did it well and I did it hard and a lot. And sometimes it overshadows other people with their work ethics. So when that happened, uh, he just thought I was, I didn't fit in for no reason. Even though I worked the hardest, I did the hardest. He looked at me and I didn't know this. And he said, he didn't want me there. And 
a senior guy told me this later on because uh, I had to try out for it uh, for my first job. And uh, when I finally got there, he didn't know that I, I knew what had happened. And one day, a really, really big event happened. We had some royalty over and I had seen him do so many different things because he wouldn't teach me a lot. And I told him, I said, hey, I'm, I just want, I'm not here to kiss you, but I'm going to just do a job. You know, I said, either you're going to show me, you're not going to show me, but you're going to do it in front of me. So I'm going to learn it. And that's the way I do. I, I'm uh, one of those learn by seeing type of guys, no matter yeah. what it is. Yeah. And um, long story short was uh, he was an award winning chef. I mean, literally, he was a dessert guy. He did this. He did that. And he had this amazing uh, cake that he did it was a puzzle cake that I was just fascinated with. He did it a million times. He's won medals with it. He's done it for the Queens and all these other people. And one day he was getting ready to do it. He cut into the cake in front of everybody and the cake fell apart. <gasps> it takes two days to make this cake. I was a young kid and uh, I looked and everybody was like, did the same thing. They're like, ah, oh. then the main guys were like, they got really upset. It's, it's true they say where food can start wars and end wars. That was one of the times where it could yeah. start a war. Yeah. So we had about uh, about 30, 40 minutes before service because uh, the cakes take two days. He took it out of the refrigerator. And for some reason, he did this cake a million times. My senior, our senior, looked at me and said, he said, uh, he called me Arm and Hammer, of course, because of my arm, <laughs> and said, can you fix it? I immediately just respond say Roger and I ran down to the mess I'm in the Pentagon at this time cakes that was frozen did this make grenache whip you know praline cream hazel cream and all these different things I cut a 90 degree angle on the cakes put it together put in a blast chiller and um <clears throat> literally five minutes before servings or less I cut the cake and it came out perfect and he looked at him and he said chef he just saved your career and from there, um, uh, that day, that day, uh, which was a, a Friday, he said, Monday, I want to take you somewhere. And he brought me over to the White House. Hmm. I'm going to get you in. He said, everything else you have to do on your own. And um, knocked on the door, I got in, and the rest was history. So you really had to prove yourself. I mean, nothing was handed to you on no, a no. ladder. And then I'm glad it was. And he, later on, the funny thing was he also took me to my first Olympics. And at my first Olympics, he actually told me that he didn't want me there. And I told him that I knew that. And he said, you knew this already? And I said, yeah, I knew this already. He said, uh, uh, so why did you work so hard? I said, because it wasn't about me. It was about us. It was a team. I'm from Mississippi. We support each other. I don't care about accolades. I care about success in a group, in a team, and doing all these things. And uh, from that, I mean, to this very day, he's still my mentor and a great friend. Hmm. Do you think that that um, philosophy is something that like this whole idea of people wanting to put themselves first and be in the spotlight um, is something that you see as a problem? Uh, mm, yes and no. I mean, I, I was before I did all this, I, was, I didn't have social media. One day I had to pop up and have social media. We weren't allowed to have social media in a lot of perspectives that where well, you know where I worked at. And um, you need social media to grow. Sometimes people can use social media for the best in the world, and sometimes they use it for evil, meaning that 
they want to be viral they want to do something and sometimes and unfortunately they can attack other people do it just to get that recognition to get a laugh to get yeah. those views to get those followers <clears throat> and at the same time is they don't realize with this day and age from pandemic to to pre and post and all these other different things mental health is at its worst you know, you got to think about that, especially for the kids, you know, with the bullying, with this stuff and not even kids, but just everybody in general It's yeah. very hard to deal with that. And it's always like you have to tiptoe. I mean, I've been attacked on social media a million times. I can do the, I can, I can save a million kids or jump out of a burning building with kittens in my hands and people attack me anyway because they'll say, you think you're better than us. And it, it's just the way it is, because if you see somebody different and you're envious of them inside internally you know that they're gonna attack you and I'm, I'm i'm okay with being different i can take it i can take all the attacks in the world because i've been attacked so much that it doesn't matter to me you know as long as you're not threatening my kids my you know my family on that part of it or coming around me because it's just not my nature but here on social media you have to realize i can take a bullet for each and every person that i continue to do so i tell everybody your representation of what you want to be represented as you know that'll get different people it may get you viral videos and have millions of followers but what do you bring with that what's your legacy what's your give back you know are you just one of those takers and it's a lot of people that's just those takers yeah i agree i think that you have to understand what you stand for regardless of what how many followers or how many likes or how many views you get are you actually living your purpose and sharing that with the world? And that's the first thing I noticed by uh, about you, your energy, your purpose, who you are and everything that you do. It was just an instant like relationship. It's like she's amazing, which hey, you are. I the feeling is very, very mutual. So you are really you've got so many things going on right now in your career. Um, I wonder sometimes when you sleep, but you've got your meal prep, you've got, you know, shows that you're part of, you've got your new book. Let's talk a little bit about that. Let's talk about your book. Call me chef. Damn it. Call me chef. Damn it. Have you ever wondered is rinsing my produce with the water that comes out of the sink that I don't even drink enough to really clean it, well then you're one of the smartest people I know. Because you're absolutely right, it's not enough. That's why we created the only all natural and patented line of food wash and wipes. And it's called Eat Cleaner. It's tasteless, odorless, and lab tested. And it removes up to 99.9% .9 of the residue that water can't, including pesticides, wax, soil, and junk that can carry bacteria that can really make you sick. Plus, we formulated it to help extend the shelf life of your fresh produce too, and that'll save you money. When your berries are lasting up to 10, 12 days, you know that's a good thing. It helps your produce last up to five times longer using a natural blend of fruit acids and antioxidants. So there's no chemicals, it's just clean, eating fun. And this can help save your family an average of over $500 per year. Make it easy on yourself, reduce waste, and get that fruit and veggies into your body, where it's gonna do you a lot of good and not in the trash. Check us out, eatcleaner.com, or head to our Amazon store at amazon.com forward slash eatcleaner.
Can you talk uh, a little bit about why you wrote the book and, and what people will learn about you? So, and so Call Me Chef Dammit is actually one of the things that happened when I was as a, a up and coming young chef, you know, trying to be and not being involved or accepted in a community of chefs. Um, it's not a cookbook. It just tell, I was very, I, I told people what they um, needed to hear and not what they wanted to hear. Uh, and it went very transparent about all oh my good, my bad, my difference, my failures, my successes, my, you know, from toxic leadership to 9-11, being involved in 9-11 when the plane hit in the Pentagon to, you know, just people attacking me to all these different things. I, I let people know and I was very transparent about all those different things. And, um, and and from that, it went number one for dealing with toxic leadership, dealing with uh, um, um, dealing with suicide ideation, dealing with PTSD, uh, learning from toxic uh, leadership development, so many different things that came from which I didn't know it would go that route. Now I'm doing a cookbook, which is going to be out uh, the following year. And it is, I actually changed the demographics of it. And I wanted to be like you, which you appreciate. I want to be on the health and fitness side universally, you know, and use food what it was meant to be, you know, as holistic medication, family, gathering, love, you know, uh, relationships, all those different things. And I want people to go back to appreciating food for what it is and know the properties of it on how to use it, whether you're doing it for yourself, for your health, for different things. Like, I mean, food is amazing, herbs, vegetables, all those different things. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And I love that you know, you stand for so many social issues that people um, oftentimes are not aware of. And I love your suicide prevention initiative and awareness, your your push-up challenge. I remember I challenged you to push-ups. I don't know what I was thinking. I think I had a momentary lapse of um, <laughs> any, any, any sort of intelligence at that point. Me challenge you to push-ups. But we had a lot of fun. We got everybody on the floor doing 22 uh, push-ups, right? Why 22? 22 vets commit suicide a day. And uh, I caveat that with, you know, just the kids, again, about bullying and the mental uh, capacity in this world where, you know, uh, suicide between the ages 11, 27, actually 11 and 32 is number two in deaths in this country. Number 10 on the radar in this country in its entirety. And, uh, you know, that's hard. I stand for that. I have a lot of causes. I'm, I'm actually the spokesperson person uh, for the National Cancer Society, which is going to kick off in November for Cancer Awareness Month. Uh, so my causes are deep. I, I tell people, don't make something your cause when it happens to you or your family or something. I don't care if it's from pets to whatever, whatever you believe in. Don't say this person has something and now all of a sudden it's the most important thing in the world. You have to you have to emphasize to each and every person's needs and wants, you know, whether it be autism, whether it be something very minute because you never know what might happen and who it may affect, especially yeah, if it's I, I, I think that a lot of the time when it hits us hard, obviously you being a military veteran, that this resonates very deeply for you. You know, I think for me, the reason health is so important, I lost my mom and both grandmothers to stroke. And I think, you know, creating awareness for women um, around heart disease and how they can protect their heart and why health is so important to that. Also going through menopause, you yeah. know, we become at a much higher risk 
after, you know, menopause than we ever have. So it's like kind of just giving perspective. But then when you have that passion, because it's something that's hit you deeply, um, I think you use your voice that much more effectively, you know? It's true. It's true. It's much more organic. And people want you to be organic. They want you to be true. They don't want you to be rehearsed. You know, I, I hate that. <laughs> I do a lot of speaking. Like I said, again, I don't, I want to someone to hear me and hear what I'm saying, not to get applauses. I want them to go and know that they're worth it, their value, no matter, especially like I said, I'm going tomorrow in Chicago to speak to about 200 chefs. You know, from master shelves to shelves to young shelves. I was just in Vegas at the convention where I got inducted um, uh, with the AA, and uh, I, I spoke and they asked me to come back the next year. And it was like it was so refreshing because I was supposed to cook, and I was like, you know what? I'm not cooking for you guys. I'm gonna tell you something. Mm -hmm. I told the story. And, and it was just a packed audience, and everyone came up and just said, "Thank you. We mm -hmm. need." Yeah, I think connecting from the heart. Um, is just as important as connecting from the stomach. <laughs> yes. So um, can you talk a little bit about your meal prep adventures? Uh, meal prep, uh, meal prep adventures or meal prep adventures. I'm, I'm actually doing it. I have a meal prep, uh, the chow, and uh, it's going great. Um, and I have some other things going on with the military as far as uh, food service and military, you know, on a bigger scale, a much, much, much bigger scale. So uh that's why, why did you create chow um because uh, i'll be honest with you I, I a lot of guys should send me food all the time and i travel all the time and it's kind of like bodybuilding they say well i mean broccoli i mean chicken and i mean rice broccoli chicken and rice boiled steamed <laughs> and whatever <laughs> yeah, yeah it's like I hated that. And I was like, why can I have something that's going to be extremely delicious and tasteful, but also healthy at the same time? And I know how to do it. I mean, I'm a chef. I know those, and you know this, all those herbs and vegetables from the ground that doesn't have sodium, all those flavor profiles for it. Uh, they're they're amazing. If once you could you bind those together, they just make so much more appetizing to enjoy your food. Yeah, I am. Um, you know, I did that fitness competition. And I think one of the hardest things for me was just being limited on what I could eat. But then I just took those things and tried to make them the best. And some of those dishes that I created, I actually still make, even though I can eat anything I want now. It's like, I still really enjoy them, you know, and I think, um, I think at the end of the day, we have an awesome opportunity to shed a better light on what healthy and nutritious means because, and merging that with gourmet, because so many people have in their heads that it, to eat well for your body means to sacrifice flavor, right? True. Yeah. True. True. You don't have to do that. You know, it's just that everybody tries to make you, I mean, it's a marketing, it's a strategic move, how people try to make you do that. If you say something long enough, and you get enough, enough people to say it, they'll follow you. And that's yeah. what people do follow. Yeah, yeah, we get to be groundbreakers. And you have uh, a show coming up. Can you share anything with us about it? I actually have three shows coming up. I have one. <laughs> <laughs> you underachiever, you. I am. Um, one's actually coming out next, uh, actually November, and uh, I'll say it, it's with, um, uh, it's, it, the network starts with a D. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, and then I have another one that's going to come out 
uh, Super Bowl weekend. Super Bowl weekend is going to come out. It's a huge show and with some huge people on it uh, to include myself. And um, I'm excited about this one because it's such an inspiration and it, it talks about so many different things that are relevant uh, and it's cooking, but it has a different twist in each and everything. Demographically, it's binding. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a little bit rough sometimes, right? But it's yeah. rough with caring and understanding. Yeah. But sometimes yeah. it takes that tough love and understanding to get through to people. But then you don't use it to break them down. You use it to build them up. Mm -hmm. And each person is built up. So it was. A, it was it's, it's a great show. I'm doing yeah, that. I, I, I'm looking forward to that. I think that there is... And this is just my personal opinion. There's not enough of that tough love. I, mm. There's a lot of um, kind of tiptoeing around issues, you know, and like reconfiguring how things look in order to not make people feel bad. But at the end of the day, it's it's like a child. If they're doing something wrong, you got to slap them on the hand to wake them up a little bit, you know. And it's for their own good. It's not just to shame them or to make them feel bad it's just i i'm, I'm not going to get myself in trouble i'll hold back my comment but i think you know where i'm going with this like your nope. health and your your body you get one right and if you don't take care of it you're going to pay for it later in medication so you get to make the choice now no, no, I 100% agree. And, and that was one of the things I'm doing a show and they were like, oh, chef, you're a little, you know, you're a little aggressive and rough on her. And I'm like, what are you talking about? What do you mean? I'm like, well, I was just telling her husband the same thing. And now you're saying I can't be that. I said, no, I no, I am. This is who I am real life. If this is it, I'm telling her the exact same way I'm telling him. I'm telling him, I mean, because I make the, the wife cry and I'm making the husband cry. I'm like, he's crying, she's crying, so they match. I don't <laughs> <care>. <laughs> they well, they feel, they, they're feeling it. And again, you're doing it from a place of love for their own yeah. good. It's not because you're trying to shame them or make them feel bad. Yeah, and it wasn't shaming. It was just they're realizing the truth. A yeah. lot of the truth is coming out. I and mean, sometimes the truth hurts, you yeah. know? Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Is your family healthy? Is my family healthy? Yeah. Like, do they think about health the way you do? Um, they, they, they do think about health the way I do. I mean, you know, I don't have a lot left. My mother and father passed in the last three years. Um, my other sisters and, and, and brother, um, they're they're healthy uh you know one of the things about mississippi is you know it was the unhealthy estate it is the unhealthy estate because of all of the fried foods and you think about the south and it's deep down and i actually went there recently uh two and a half months ago and i received uh, i i donated all proceeds to my book to the new uh 899 number and also to the kids you know for uh, and then the mayor came and he gave me the key to the city. Wow. And I talked about, you know, that's one of the reasons, like you said, that's one of the reasons I'm doing a new book. I'm doing a cookbook on a healthy aspect. I wanted to be healthy, have something I have fancy, whatnot, but I wanted to concentrate on that part of it. Because it's, like you said, you can have healthy food and it can taste delicious and look amazing. Yeah. And, and with that, you empowering people to take kind of, you know, maybe the food that they know and they love and make it a little bit better, a little bit more healthy. It's not like you can't have soul food. It's not like, 
but maybe you're air frying it instead. Maybe you're, you know, maybe you're adding more vegetables and a little less fatty meat. Like yeah, of course. I think we can create, you know, a, a concession for people. How do you eat? Like, tell, can you just share a little bit? Like, what does a day of food for chef look like? Cause you are a strong muscular guy. Like you didn't get that way with a pill. No, I didn't. <laughs> There's no magic pill. <laughs> but uh, I eat a lot. And yeah. I, I, I eat a lot. I eat often. I'm hungry right now. Once I get off the phone with you, I'm going to eat. <laughs> right? So I have uh, some hormone-free uh, pound of turkey every time I open the refrigerator and put it on, you know, some rye bread with a little mustard. Uh, and I use some... Um, um, a little one American cheese slice to give me that little taste for it. I don't use mayo. I don't use ketchup or any of that stuff, but it's, it's good to me. That's what I like. Uh, I have a whole chicken in the refrigerator that I ate one today and I have another one that I'll eat later on tonight. And, uh, and, but I eat whatever I want to eat. But if I eat something that's not in that standard, I know I got to pay for it. It's just like in the bank. Like I, this, this is what I have to pay for. If I yeah. eat, I don't eat sweets like that, uh, but sometimes I do like the better things. So I'll have some coffee and I'll put a little sugar and a little cream inside of it because that's my guilty pleasure on that part. I get rid of the soda and I place it with a lot of herbs. You know, I love garlic. I love that, those grilled onions, you know, chard. I love that chard taste that can kind of compensate for that. Not saying I don't use sodium, but I'll use this much to go along with it. So it gives my mindset where I can change the narrative of it. And besides, I'm also an endurance trainer. That's how I do the 2000 plus two push-ups a day. But um, at that same time, I burn calories all the time. Just like, and now- You said 2000 plus 200 push-ups every day. Except for Saturday and Sunday now. Saturday and Sunday now, just because I, uh, I have to refuel a lot. Yeah, well, I'm still I mean, just your push-ups, not to mention, like, I'm sure you have a whole weight training program that you do, do on I top do. of that. Do you think that fitness is as important as food? Are they equally? Uh, you know what? Absolutely. Absolutely. Not only is not only, you know, because equally important is food, but mentally, emotionally, yes. It's your release. Everybody needs a release. Fitness, if you never tried, I had guys, when they see me, they say, Chef, I started doing push-ups because of you. I love it now. I started working out because of you. Chef, I lost 100 pounds because of you. Chef, I did this, so forth. They see it's so inspiring because I don't stigmatize between big people, little people, small people, tall, short. I It's every person. I don't, I'm, I'm talking to you. I don't care if you're 500 pounds or you're 250 pounds of solid muscle. It doesn't matter to me. I'm coming for you. Matter of fact, I don't even look at the people that has the muscle. I want the person that, that thinks that's shy and just kind of think that everybody's looking at him or her. I want you to come out. Those are the people that I'm going to talk to. Those are the ones that are most important to me. You know, you made a huge impact on my son. Um, he mentioned when he was 14 and you should see him now. He's buff. Like he's, yeah, in, he is. Yeah. he's in some serious shape right now, but okay. I think being able to give people that motivation of being strong, it's not just about the aesthetic of what it looks like. It's about being strong so that you're strong here, you know, and I, I believe mentally, you know, especially after what we've been through over the last few years, you know, you need that fortitude that comes from, you know, 
your, your lifestyle and your habits. And, and that's really where I believe that you're going to make the huge, the biggest impact on people. Um, we're kind of running a little bit low on time. So first of all, I want to thank you because you gave me this when we met and it says you can do anything. You got to be a small one. <laughs> and I keep this on my desk, chef. It sits right there in front of me. And I think I'm a pretty like motivated person. But when I look at this, I'm like, I better go get my butt to the gym. <laughs> it's like you're talking to me. So that I just know that that sits here. Um, but I would love to know if you had one last meal, okay, and it could be made by anybody, who would make it and what would it be? Like, what's your love language when it comes to food? My mind would be probably, well, not probably, I know what it would be. It would be some fresh picked collard greens mm. uh, from a garden and it would actually have uh, some fat back in it. Old time, the white ones you got out of the store, you put inside of it, you get it. Render that down. And rendered it down. And it just with some seasonings, slow cooked for hours and hours at a time where it's so aromatic. And um, uh, some um, skillet fried cornbread, you know, where you use some of that fat to go inside of it, and you put it right inside and just raises up and it just does all the cracks in it. And you do, you have the, the green juice that you pour over the cornbread and let it soak inside of it. And, um, and then I would have some, um, the pinto beans with maybe some fried, and go back to my roots, kind of fried catfish. And oh. that would be, my love language comfort zone because that's what my mom used to make when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And that made me have such an amazing feeling just to be there. It, and that was what it was all about. It was just so comfortable and it was, and I've eaten all over the world like you have. I've had some Michelin and five stars, but it's things that are, that have those memories and emotions to you, they're just like they just just lifelong. They they take you back. And that's what we do in our food. We put a love language in it, no matter what it has a memory to it, where you say, no matter how pretty it looks, but you know the person behind it, they put the time, the love and emotion into this. Yeah. Uh I could I just went back with you. I went back to your mom making you that meal at the table in Mississippi. I I you brought us there. So chef, thank you. It's been such a pleasure having you on and you do keep it 100. Just keep shining and inspiring and seriously, I love you from the bottom of my heart. Like as a brother, you are my brother. You are my sister. <laughs> my bigger sister. <laughs> Yeah, you know, check out those guns. Come on, Chef. I got it, right? <laughs> Such a pleasure. I'm gonna see you at the next show. I can't wait. Yes, to we're we're on for the next show in January at the Fit Expo. Yep. Coming up. Wow, on the corner. I'll be there. I can't wait to see you on your show in November too. So keep us posted. I will. Okay. <laughs>
Hey, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I know you have a lot of choices out there of what to listen to, what to watch, so it means a lot to me that you're here with me. And hey, if you love this content, would you hit the subscribe button? I want you around. I don't want you to just show up for one episode and leave. I want you here, part of the conversation, a seat at this table. And while you're at it, would you share this with your friends and family? And if you take a screenshot and share it on your social media with a hashtag RFYBL for Recipes for Your Best Life, I'll make sure to personally give you a shout out and you may just be featured right here on the show. So until next time, here's to living deliciously and being the chef of your best life.